Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of Him through this journey. Thank you for joining us, and may burning witnesses arise. Uh, I think that it is fitting that we look into Daniel chapter 9 today. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel gives us the time frame. It says, in the first year of Darius, that's opening chapter 9 in verse 1. He says, in the first year of Darius. Now again, we have taken much time, I should say, or, or the needed time, in order to set the framework or the context to be able to understand the book of Daniel. Again, I'm not claiming uh, to be any type of theologian. However, Paul says that we have the Spirit. And so we're able to actually access revelatory things by the Spirit as God communicates to us as we look deeply into the face of Jesus every time we come to the Word. Um, we're not coming to the Word so that we can better equip ourselves to argue or debate uh, or to better cater towards our stream, our denominational sphere, our preferences, if you would. We don't come with our own lens, but every lens that we come to the Word with gets shattered as we gaze deeply into the face of Jesus. And as we gaze deeply into the face of Jesus by the Spirit, this Word comes alive, for the Word is living and active, and by the Spirit, the Word comes alive. Uh, and we're able to understand revelatory things. At least that is what we should be seeking. Um, we should be seeking understanding, insight, that by the Spirit, the layers of the onion, if you would, would get peeled back beautifully and gloriously as we again gaze deeply into the face of Jesus. We want to meet with Jesus whenever we come to this word. And as we open it up, Daniel is telling us that it's in the first year of King Darius. Now, by this point, it's been decades, right? It's been decades. Daniel in chapter one is brought into Babylon. He is exiled along with the children of Israel into Babylon as a teen, as a teenager, as a teenager exiled into Babylon. Um, many believe that when he confronts the lion's den, that he's in his nineties, um, it's been decades of serving the Lord in a hostile place. It's been decades of walking faithfully with God. Um, when the government structure was not set up to favor him, when Christianity was not legalized in the land, again, I'm going to use modernized terms, though we're looking at something that can be considered an ancient text, an ancient story. Uh, we do understand that this has been thousands of years ago. Um, however, something that was thousands of years ago is providing for us the needed strength in order to posture ourselves correctly in the times that we are experiencing and are seeking not just to endure, but to thrive in the midst of, as Daniel did. Daniel wasn't in survival mode. He was thriving. Daniel was persevering, but he was persevering as he postured himself in Babylon and God caused him to thrive. And he says in the first year of King Darius. Now, again, it's been decades. He's already gone through Nebuchadnezzar, right? Nebuchadnezzar was king during the days of his initial exile. 
So he's already gone through Nebuchadnezzar. He's already been trained his three-year period, consecration, fasting, praying, vegetables and water, right? Asphanaz, his overseer, not wanting to grant him the ability to do so, but him and his crew, again, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, resolving, they determined in their hearts, they were not going to feast on what the rest of the culture was feasting on. And in their place of training, they were consecrated. They were set apart. They determined that Babylon had many battlefields, but one of them was the table. And they determined, again, chapter 1, verse 8, they resolved in their hearts, vegetables and water. Not just for 10 days. 10 days is when they were tested. And then the implications are that they continued on because training was three years. Three years of vegetables and water. We're making the altar call right now. Who's jumping on? (laughs) Three years, vegetables and water. Some of y'all right now are like, touch your neighbor because he's preaching to you. Three years, vegetables and water. Touch three people, touch three people, real quick, touch three people. Um, Three years, vegetables and water. They were consecrated. They set themselves to seek the Lord. They realized that it was going to require a lifestyle of fasting and praying. Again, not just for surviving, but for thriving. And through their consecrated efforts, again, through loving the Lord and giving themselves wholeheartedly to the Lord, in a way that I believe the Lord gave them beautiful wisdom for. Again, this was not just conjuring up. What is it going to take in order to look like we're spiritual in these days? This was not imagery. It wasn't a mask. It wasn't just some front. It wasn't some type of God-loving filter that they tried to apply to their lives. But I, with all of my heart, believe that they turned their faces to the Lord and they said, if you would speak to us, we would obey. If you invite us, we will respond. If you lead us, we will follow. And whatever it is that you say, almost reminiscent of Ezekiel 37, when Ezekiel is dropped down in a valley of dry bones and we find some of the most beautiful wisdom that the scripture holds when God says to Ezekiel, can these dry bones actually live? Now again, God is speaking to a man, but the man knows it. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know what that felt like, but it says by the spirit, Ezekiel was set down into a valley of dry bones. And as he's surveying the land, he realized that there's death and destruction. There's been compromise. But God speaks to Ezekiel and he says, can these bones live? And yes, I know that we've read this chapter many times. Yes, I know you may be familiar with the text and and we should be as we want to love Jesus well. And loving Jesus well means loving this word. And so as we come to this word to gaze deeply into the face of Jesus, I know that maybe you've crossed over Ezekiel 37 many times. But Ezekiel 37 holds great wisdom because rather than Ezekiel looking at the valley and trying to come up with his own solutions, trying to formulate his own ideas and opinions, trying to construct through the time maybe that he's had invested in walking with the Lord and the familiarity of things that God has done over history and through the the moments and seasons that he's invested into walking with God and seeing the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, the ins and outs, and all types of testimonies that have been branded into the heart of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, rather than leaning upon all of the things that he potentially would have uh, the availability to lean on, he turns around. And this is what Ezekiel 20 or Ezekiel 37 says. He turns around and he looks back at the Lord. 
And he says, oh, Lord, you alone know. Uh, this is it. Ezekiel realizes that in a moment, um, all the fluff and stuff, it's not going to raise up the bones. Um, Ezekiel realizes that throughout his history, there's been testimonies, there's been tragedies. Um, there's been seasons of celebration and seasons of sorrow. But he can't just muscle his way through the circumstance that he's facing. He just can't fake it till you make it. He just can't hashtag it or meme it. Um, he just can't parrot what everyone else seems to be saying. He just can't copy and paste whatever the most iconic, whatever the most influential, whatever the most, uh, whatever you want this person to be or to look like. He just can't cater to or rally alongside of whatever the most popular voice is in the land. Ezekiel has to turn his face back to God and he looks into the face of the Lord as he knows he is suspended in a moment with God. And he says, you alone know. Um, what is he saying? He's saying, if anything is going to happen here, it's going to have to be because you do it. It's going to have to be because you do it. And Daniel has been walking with the Lord now for decades. He's been through Nebuchadnezzar. He's been through the dream that no man was supposed to be able to unravel the mystery of. He's been through the moment where his life was riding on the line but through compassion in a night vision as he and his friends recognized that there was a certain time period through which if God did not speak to them that their life was going to come to an end because there was a riddle, there was a mystery, that there was a secret that the king wanted to be unraveled, unpacked, and all of the rest of the wise men understood the terms and they realized that no man was ever going to be able to match the criteria for what it was that Nebuchadnezzar was asking, but in walked a man through whom which they understood the spirit of the gods is alive on the inside. And Daniel comes in and he realizes that it's not because he's anybody, but it realizes that it's because God is somebody. And that God in a night vision has revealed the mystery through a dream. The psalmist says, I praise you, O Lord. In Psalm 16, 7, for it is you who gives me wisdom in the night. It is you who brings me counsel in the night season. It is you who unravels mysteries through the place of the night. He says, I give you praise, Lord, because it's you and you alone. And when Daniel walks in, he comes with praise because he realizes that it is God alone who brings things that seem to be bound up in the dark and brings them out into the light. For there is no darkness in you, O Lord. And through Daniel 2, we realize that he not just survives a moment, but he thrives. He receives promotion in a moment when his life was seemingly about to end. He's promoted through crisis. He's promoted through persecution. And Daniel is elevated and he brings his friends with him. And as we turn the page, we find out still under Nebuchadnezzar's tyranny, he's constructed a statue and, and on and on we go. His friends face the furnace, but they're promoted under persecution because the Son of Man comes and stands with them. And Nebuchadnezzar looks on, and though he's tried to exalt himself, he realizes that there is one that is exalted. Though he has 
considered his own self-worth. He realizes in the moment when he puts in three, but when he looks, he finds four. He realizes that there is one that is worthy. There is one that is exalted. There is one through which he understands that heaven rules through the dream that he has. And once again, Daniel comes in chapter four to bring him insight and understanding pertaining to the things that God is communicating to him. We find in chapter five that Daniel has outlasted Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's son. They're feasting, they're partying. I guess how they would say they're turning up. And while they are making a mockery of the things of God, a hand manifests in the middle of their party. Um, yeah, I'm sure that you realize party over. A hand manifests and writes a message on the wall. And in comes Daniel again, because Daniel is mysterious. Daniel is mysterious because God is with him. And there is no thing that is too hard for the Lord. There is no thing that is impossible for our God. And Daniel has a walk with the Lord that is deep, it's real, it's intimate. There's a fellowship that Daniel enjoys with God. And through which in the place of this fellowship, God is able to posture him. Once again, not just to survive, but Daniel is thriving. Daniel in the secret place has a conviction about prayer that he just won't bend from, he just won't break it. Daniel in the secret place is being visited by angels. They're coming to him in the place of dreams and visions. They're flying in the window to him when he sets himself to pray three times a day, as he has always done. Daniel is being visited by messengers, but not just messengers for the sake of messengers, because messengers, even as their name would define them to be, they, they carry responsibility and they're messengers, which means that they come with messengers messages. But the messenger is just as important as the message that they bring. <laughs> and Daniel outlasts Belshazzar. But here we find when we open up chap chapter nine. Now again, Daniel is giving us insight because the second half of the book is the unpacking of the secret place that so heavily informs and animates the first half of the book. And it says in the first year of Darius, now, again, we know that Daniel feeds him uh, or that Darius feeds Daniel to the lion's den. But Daniel says in the first year of King Darius, again, this is as we open chapter nine. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 weeks. Daniel is studying the word of the Lord. Daniel is going through the books in order to recount and to reference things that he knows God has said. Now, this is not just every and anybody. 
but there are very specific, there are particular voices that Daniel recognizes that have been chronicled. They've been good stewards of the things that they know that God has said. This is one of the reasons that we have all of what we consider to be the prophetic books, because they were prophetic scribes. They chronicled the word of the Lord. They journaled things that they knew that God was saying. And this is why, according to their detailed stewardship, we have all of the insights and the ability to track, if you would, with the word of the Lord through years and seasons and decades, if you would, and hundreds and thousands of years. And there is a moment, there's an instance in which Daniel is referencing these words. He's going back to things that he knows God has said. He's finding present strength because of the history or the testimony of the word of the Lord that they have tracked with. Again, this is things that they know God has said. It's reminiscent of when David stands in front of Saul and Saul looks at him in 1 Samuel 17 and he's like, bro, you're a nobody. You're about to get trashed. Like this is the best we got. We're going to feed this guy to the giant. Man, you don't look like you've been in a fight a day in your life. But David says, and we all know these words, David says, um, your opinion about me isn't what matters most in this moment. He says, this isn't my first fight. He says, I've been fighting bears and I've been fighting lions. He says, once there was a bear and once there was a lion and the same God that was with me that delivered me in those days is the same God that's going to be with me today. What is David doing? He's using his own history to encourage him in the moment. He's using the testimony that God has formed and forged in his own heart and in his own life in order to rally strength in an immediate sense when the challenge that stands before him seems as if it should or would overwhelm him. David looks behind him in order to understand what to do with what stands in front of him. He says, I do see a giant, but behind me, there were days when there were lions. There were days where there were bears. And God was doing something in order to ready me for the challenge that I find that stands in front of me. You see, I've been fighting. You see, I have a history. You see, I recount the testimony of the Lord. Almost like when the psalmist writes and he says, if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, then surely my enemies would have routed me. They would have ravaged me. They would have overcome me. But praise be to God who took up my side. Praise be to God who fought for his own cause through my life. And Daniel is recounting the word of the Lord. And Daniel realizes that there is a moment that he is standing in that has a word from God attached to it. Thank God, Daniel digs into the word of the Lord that had been prophesied by Jeremiah to understand the significance of the hour, to realize the significance of the day, to understand all of the weight according to God's desires that framed in the moment that he found himself in. Daniel was not just seeing the persecution that he was thriving in as some abstract thing that didn't have any point to it, but because of the things that God had spoken through the mouth and the life of Jeremiah, he understood the significance of the day. And it says, as he was recounting the word of the Lord, he realized 
the time period was to be fulfilled. He realized the moment had come to a place of fulfillment. The fullness of time, if you would, had come upon them as a people. Galatians 4.4 says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son through the womb of a woman. Amos tells us that God will surely do no thing without first revealing it to the prophets, to his friends, to his servants, to those who walk intimately, deeply, that God reveals all things to those who come to the secret place. And Jeremiah in 23 says, for who has come to the secret place? For who has come to the place of God's counsel to see and to hear his word? And who has then listened and obeyed? And Daniel is standing in a moment that he realizes is not insignificant at all. This isn't just random troubles and trials. This isn't just some hour in the window of history where they're getting battered as a people. But Daniel begins to understand because of the things that Jeremiah had prophesied that the times of the weeks of the desolations of Jerusalem had come to a close. And that through the mouth of Jeremiah, that God had shared his desires with his people. And that because Daniel now is recounting the word of the Lord, again, he's sifting or reflecting back through things that he knew God had said. And it comes upon him and he is gripped because he understands the hour that he is standing in. And there is a window of opportunity in order for him to respond accordingly to things that he knows God has said. And it came through the mouth of a man and that man being Jeremiah. And what does Daniel do necessarily? When he realizes that they're standing in a window. Well, let's look at the next couple of verses. In verse 3, he says, So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and began to confess, saying, Alas, O oh Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. And he goes on to say, we have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and your ordinances. And moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. What is Daniel saying? Daniel is saying, Lord, you were faithful. And over days, seasons, and generations, you told us what would come. But we didn't take heed to your word. We didn't respond in obedience to your word. We didn't obey your ordinances. We weren't faithful to align our lives and to take heed what it was that you lovingly revealed to us. What does he say? He said, you spoke to kings. You spoke to princes. You spoke to our forefathers. And if that wasn't enough, you spoke to everybody in the land. 
No one was exempt. You shared your desires. You revealed your word. You prophesied. You spoke in and through the mouths and the lives of prophets. There were specific individuals that you raised up through our history in order to bring to us what was on your heart, in order to share with us your desires for us as a people. Even when we acted wickedly, you spoke. Even when we rebelled, you spoke. Even when we weren't faithful, you chased us down. Even when we didn't want anything to do with the things that we knew you were sharing, you kept coming, you kept revealing, you kept speaking. And even though, even though we sinned, um, even though we acted wickedly, um, even though we bucked up against your leadership and rebelled against you and went astray, we went our own way, we enjoyed what we wanted to enjoy. We satisfied ourselves according to our own desires. And we believed that we had all of the wisdom necessary in order to lead and to govern our own lives. Even when we did it our own way, you were faithful, Lord. You were faithful, Lord, to raise up men and women in order to declare the word of the Lord. And you declared it to kings. You declared it to princes. You declared it to our forefathers and all the people of the land. And Daniel realizes that through God's faithfulness, there was a word attached to his moment. And when Daniel understood the terms, what did he do? Right? What, what, did, what did he do? The scripture says he fasted and prayed. The scripture says he humbled himself before the Lord. How many times does a recognition of the word of the Lord in season for you bring about that response. H hear this. Daniel is fasting and praying. Why? Because he understands that there's an overarching word from God that has been suspended over his season and that there is a breakthrough, if you would. There is a shift, if you would. There are desires that are bound up in the heart of the Lord that are retained, if you could say that way. They are retained in order for the releasing in season. But in order for Daniel to respond or to be responsive to God, what does he do? He fasts and he prays. His response is to give himself to God in the place of fasting and prayer. When he understands the word of the Lord, he fasts and prays. When he realizes God's desires for his season, he fasts and prays. When he comes to the conclusion that there are things that God longs to do in the day that he is living, he fasts and he prays. He fasts and he prays. Right now, we are in the midst of a 40-day fast because we believe that we are living in a critical moment in history. We believe that all the while there are desires that the enemy has released, um, and I, I don't want to say it this way, but it's what comes up in my heart. The, the enemy has released like wildfire across our nation, and that's not to make light of things that are happening, uh, but in fact, I believe that's to highlight things that are happening the enemy is releasing his desires because he understands that this is a critical moment in history. 
The enemy is trying to climax, if you would, or converge many different things all at the same time. I don't know if there has ever been a moment in history where we are experiencing so many traumatic things simultaneously. As you study history and time periods and eras that are back behind us, you understand that in different times and seasons, different moments throughout history, there was a thing that they endured. There was a thing that they challenged. There was a thing that they were confronted by. There was a situation. There was an issue. There was something that they had to thrive in the midst of. Whether that was the Great, the Great Depression, whether that was the Civil War, civil rights, activism, racism, the issues attached to that, whether that was World War I, World War II, whether that was different issues that seemed to come to the surface in order to rage in a specific time period throughout the generations. But I don't know if there's ever been a moment such as this where so many issues have come to the, the surface at the same time, where the raging of different problems have peaked their ugly head all at the same time. There is hostility that is being endured in our day, unlike anything I think I've ever seen. And the political stuff just makes it all the worse, right? The political stuff just seems to be the button that you can push and you can just get people going 100. You can go from zero to 100 and you can push one button and it just seems to bring to the surface all of the fire, all of the hostility, all of the problems that seem to lie beneath the surface of our lives. Um, the, the political stuff is just another tool right now that the enemy is using in order to wield division and hostility between people groups. But there are so many things, so many giants, so much persecution and tragedy that we are enduring and seeking to thrive in the midst of, unlike any other time period that I've seen. I shared weeks ago how you don't have to look far to understand that America is hemorrhaging um, because the enemy is wielding hostility. The rulers of the age, powers and principalities are trying to stir it all up at the same time. If you cannot understand that America is under attack right now, but it's powers, it's principalities. It's powers, it's principalities. It's the rulers of the age. It's the spirit of the air. These are days where if we are going to have a chance at thriving, we are going to have to recount the word of the Lord and we are gonna to have to fast and pray. Daniel threw himself into fasting and prayer, not because he didn't have anything else to do, but because he recognized there were things that God longed to do. Daniel didn't fast and pray because he didn't have anything else to do. He fasted and prayed because he realized there were things that God wanted to do. America is under attack and America is hemorrhaging right now. And there are so many different issues, items, problems, tragic situations, suffering, division, hostility, pain, persecution. There is a fight 
that is being personified, that is getting embodied through powers and principalities in order to rally specific people groups and individuals. As Ephesians 2 tells us, listen, Ephesians 2 tells us there was a time period in all of our lives where there was the spirit of the air that was getting embodied in the sons of disobedience, where we rejected God's desires, we lived life our own way, and we were given over to the hostility that was brewed up on the inside because of what was being wielded from the outside above us. It gets called the spirit of the air. It gets referenced as powers and principalities. In Ephesians 6, Paul says, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. Get off of names and faces, but it's powers, it's principalities, it's high places in dark spiritual wickedness, governing authorities. Listen, you can try to pretend like it doesn't exist all you want to, no matter how much you try to avoid it. It doesn't exempt the reality of it. And Paul says we are wrestling, not with names and faces, flesh and blood, but with powers, principalities, spirit of the air, rulers of the age, high places, governmental dark issues, unseen realm, wickedness, corruption. This is the way Paul defines it. And in Ephesians 2, he says that there was a time when all of us were given over to their influence. Listen to that. There was a time when all of us were given over to their influence. But he creates two categories. Two categories. He says, but praise God who through his loving kindness and his tender mercy, by the precious blood of Jesus, has set us free. He's taken us from a dead place and he's made us alive to God. And we can now behold the face of Jesus. And now by the Holy Spirit, we have access to the mind of Christ. We have access to God's wisdom. We've gained access to God's counsel. We've gained access to know what's on God's mind, what's in God's heart. We're no longer bound to the spirit of the air. We're no longer bound to the corruption and the hostility, the utter rejection of God's leadership and his loving kindness and his boundaries for life and love. We're no longer rebels. We're no longer trying to be independent, but we are lovingly surrendered to the rule of King Jesus. And now by his spirit, God has taken us from a dead place and made us alive. But understand the terms. There is a lot of hostility right now. And we must respond. There is a lot of chaos right now. And we have to respond. Daniel recounted the word of the Lord. And he just didn't tuck himself away somewhere. Infatuated with his own revelation. He just didn't tuck himself away somewhere thinking that he could just hold on long enough. He didn't just hide away somewhere trying to bury his head in the sand and pretend like his season didn't really exist. He didn't just try to hide. He didn't just try to hold on. He didn't just try to wait it out, but he understood that there was a response that was needed. And so he gave himself to the Lord and he fasted and he prayed. Listen to me, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, but we are living in a very critical window. I'm telling you, I I cannot say it any more clear than that. 
We are living right now in a very critical window in history. I believe that much about what is in front of us is being written right now by the way that you and I are responding to the moment that we have before us. That right now, today, the day that we are living in and how we are responding to the Lord in the days, in this window of time, leading up to the election in this nation, right now, this specific window of time, the way that you and I respond to God in this window is writing much about what is going to be the experience that history reflects back on. Much of what is in front of us is being written by right now how you and I handle what is upon us. And there's just no way around that. Because I believe that there's much that God wants to do. And that much is hemmed up in the response of the intercessors. Is hemmed up in the response of those that are going to give themselves to fast and pray. Because I believe that there's much that God longs to do. I believe that there is much that God has said that has brought us to the moment, uh, if you could, the pinnacle moment, this pivotal moment that we are standing in right now, this window of history. There is much that God has said, even Daniel recognized, you've been faithful to speak to us, but we chose to do our own thing. You spoke to kings and princes. You spoke to our forefathers and you spoke to everybody in the land. It's almost like when the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon in Judges chapter 6. Prior to that, when you open up Judges chapter 6, you find that they are being routed by the enemy. That the enemy's desires seem to be prevailing in the land. They're being routed by the Midianites. And it says that God sends them a prophet. And what does the prophet come to say? The prophet comes to say... You have rejected the word of the Lord. You chose to do your own thing. You've rebelled against God's desires. And now you are experiencing the outcome of your own rejection of things that God tried to prepare you through prophets that he spoke to you through. Um, doesn't seem to be good. But then as you track a couple of more verses, it says in the angel of the Lord sought out a man by the name of Gideon. And he was hiding in a wine press. And the angel of the Lord came to Gideon. And he said, hey, listen, man. If you'll surrender to me, and if you'll walk with me, God's going to make you a mighty man of valor. He says, you're the man for the hour, but you have to respond right. You're the man for the hour because God is going to destroy the enemies in the land. You're the man for the hour because I know that you all rebelled but God has revealed his desires and it's never hinged upon your own faithfulness, but it's always hinged upon God's faithfulness to perform his word. Because the, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the land, looking for a man or a woman that would get in the gap on behalf of the land, that would inter intercede because they realize God's desires attached to the hour that they're living in. The eyes of the Lord search, seeking a heart, that's fully his on behalf of who he can show himself strong. And the angel of the Lord seeks Gideon and he says to him, those enemies, the Midianites, they're going to be nothing for God, but you have to respond right. And he sends Gideon home to destroy idols. 
And then Gideon goes out into the land and God routes the Midianites. Um, I believe that it's the desire of God to rout the enemies in the land. I believe that it's in God's desires to completely trash all of what we see right now that is surfacing, all of the carnage and the chaos, all of the hostility that powers and principalities are seeming to wield and seeking to prevail in this hour of history. And we can choose to do nothing. We can act like it's not going on. We can just try to protect and preserve and tuck ourselves away and act like everything that's going on right now in this land has nothing to do with us. And as long as I can stay far enough from it to where it doesn't actually come to my doorstep or affect my house, that that is going to be my definition of winning. That is going to be my definition of prevailing. That is the way that I am going to define succeeding in this season of life. Or we can track with the word of the Lord. I would encourage you um, to go back through things that you know God has said to you. Different promises, different words that he's released, different time periods, seasons, where in a revelatory way, he has spoken. Whether that be through dream or vision, whether that be through messenger and message, whether that be through visits and visitations, whether that be through angelic host and divine beings that God releases. Um, for are not my angels just ministering spirits that I've sent to assist, to rally alongside and to serve those that are inheriting salvation? I encourage you to track back through the word of the Lord and to rally strength in this moment because of moments behind you where you know God spoke to you. Bring to the forefront of all of the persecution right now all of the revelatory instances where you know there's been a release of God's word into your life. And just as David picked up those smooth stones, because he realized that behind him there had been bears and lions, and in front of him there was a giant, and he was going to fight his own way. I encourage you, pick up five stones, words from God, and wield them if you would, and begin to slay that which stands in front of you. But I know that this is a critical moment in history. And we're not fasting and praying because we ain't got nothing else to do. Um, trust me, we're fasting and praying because we realize that there is a lot that God longs to do. And when Daniel understood the terms, there's a word. There's God's desires that are attached to the moment that I'm standing in. He was energized, but he was energized to fast and pray. He said, when I understood the urgency of the hour, I fasted and I prayed and I gave all my attention to the Lord. Listen, you can give all of your attention to a variety of things in this day. You can give it to the political conversation. You can fight and debate. You can try to trash people on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you, you can enjoy the comment section and just try to hurl stones in the comment section. Um, you can put up your Biden flags or you can wear your Trump hats. Um, you can rally alongside of all the political narratives and all of the different voices that are campaigning and seeking to uh, lobby influence and cast votes. Um, you can argue right, left, progressive, conservative, liberal. Um, you, you, you can do all of that. You can jump into Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, 
Um, there's Antifa groups, there's fires, there's riots, there's persecutions, there's chaos, there's pain, there's suffering, there's economic crisis, there's people that have been furloughed, there's businesses that have been shut down, there are people that have lost jobs, there are people that have lost pay, there are closes or closures to schools and people that are trying to reorient themselves in a season right now with online learning and at-home schooling and a hybrid version where some days and other days and the, the thought of sending our kids back to on-campus learning and all of the agendas that are attached with all of these different conversations. And then we have Save the Children, which seems to be the one conversation that isn't necessarily getting the most energy we have saved the children and all of the different pedophilia rights that are attempting to be legislated right now. And we have in California where they just signed the bill and made it public policy. And I know that you know, because these things are going through the news and different media sources and outlets. But we have pedophilia and the thought that it is not demonic that it is not wicked and evil and corrupt, but the fact that we could consider it to be the way that somebody is born or a condition and that we should just embrace it and normalize it. Listen, I already told you that all throughout the book of Daniel, as we've been looking at it, they tried to normalize certain things in culture through images and sounds, and they just wanted to get everybody to bow and to celebrate it so that they could normalize certain things in order to enhance or in order to advance or in order to aggressively consider to push forward an agenda of demonic nature. And it is happening. And it is time to wake up and get in the game and to stop sleeping in the season and pretending like certain things just don't exist and that we can avoid it and we can just hide from it and we can just continue to try to live our best life now and not try to put our attention on all of the things that are happening. Uh, because when Daniel understood what was happening, he fasted and he prayed. Um, when you realize what's happening, what are you doing? When you understand the severity of the season, what have you been doing? When you survey the land and you realize the urgency of the hour, how are you responding? What, what, are, what are you doing? I realize almost everybody is canceling Netflix. So if, if you're not binge watching Netflix, I do understand that there's a bunch of other uh, video platforms to be able to give your attention to? What, what, how, what are you doing? How are you handling the urgency of the hour? Because when Daniel understood, he fasted and he prayed. Um, I would encourage you in these days to fast and pray. Um, it is the only way that we are going to be able to secure a firm understanding of what's on God's heart. I know that there's a lot of channels, there's a lot of voices, uh, th there's a lot of influences that, that are seeking to reveal to us what it is that God is saying in these days. Um, but I would encourage you to fast and pray and to gaze deeply into the face of Jesus and to secure the word of the Lord for yourself as for me and my family. 
We are going to draw a line in the sand. Enough is enough. It is time to fast and pray. It is time to smash the secret place. It is time to draw back from all of the other stuff, to pull back from all of the other outlets, to draw back from all of the other influential voices, to pull back from all of the other media outlets, to pull back from all of the other entertainment, to pull back from all of the other places, all of the other platforms where it is that we are being informed as to how we should respond to what is happening in the day. It is time to draw back and to fast and to pray and to seek God's face. This is a critical moment in history and it requires a response. When Daniel understood the word of the Lord, and the terms that had been set. He knew that he had to fast and pray because there were things God wanted to do. Again, as I've said, I believe with all of my heart that we are on the threshold of another great awakening in our nation because it's in the heart of God to release an awakening. It's in God's heart to release revival in our nation. It's in God's heart to continue. And I say to continue because God has never stopped moving, but to continue to pour out his spirit powerfully upon us in this hour. And I'm inviting you to fast and pray. I'm inviting you to fast and pray in this season and to be responsive to the Lord and to be responsible with your placement in history. And I say it that way, respond to the Lord and be responsible with your placement in history. Because when God considered all of the unique challenges that we're facing, he put us here. And so here we are. Here we are. Because God knew that we needed to be here. He knew that he needed us here. And so he put us here and he put his spirit in us so that we could be faithful and so that we could thrive in the midst of the urgency of this hour that we find ourselves in. So here we are, not just so that we can be handled, not just so that we can get thrashed by powers and principalities, not just so that we could become subject to the rulers of the age and the spirit of the air. That, my friend, is not our posture, but we've been postured for power. And we need to be responsive to the Lord so that we can be responsible with our placement in history. Um, I'm inviting you to fast and pray. I'm inviting you to give yourself to God in a way that you never have. I'm inviting you to withdraw from all of the other places where you're being entertained and you're being informed. And I'm inviting you into divine counsel. I'm inviting you into the secret place. I'm inviting you into the place where you have access to the mind of Christ to know what is on God's heart, what is in God's thoughts. I'm inviting you to respond to the Lord and give yourself to him in a way like you never have. Again, let's listen to what Daniel said, when I understood the terms, I gave all of my attention to the Lord. Hear that, all of my attention. Um, I believe that in this season, 
In order for us to respond well, we are going to have to be willing to give all of our attention to the Lord. What does that mean? That means all of my attention. Well, what does that mean for me? That means all of your attention. In what way? That means what are you giving your attention to? In places where we have to be responsible and steward things, I understand. But I'm talking about in the extra. I'm talking about in the other. I'm talking about in the additional. I'm talking about our unique capacity to be able to turn over our attention to the Lord. Daniel says, I gave all of my attention to the Lord to do what? To pray, to seek him, to seek him. These are days to get after it, to get into the secret place and to seek him. Hear that, seek him. There's all kinds of other stuff. Listen, you wanna live your best life now? You seek all that other stuff. That's cool. There are ways to be with him and still not seek him because you are longing after all of these other things. There are ways to bring all of your other desires and to use your time with him as a means to an end so that you can enter into conclusions or outcomes that you are using him as a means to get to the things that you ultimately are after. But there is another way where you come to him only for him and your time with him is all about him. And Daniel said, I gave him all of my attention because I was coming to seek him. And when I came into the place of prayer. I wanted to be with him to be influenced by him so that he could define and give language to how it was that I was to respond when I was with him. It was all about him and the desires that were in his heart. He shared with me so that I could navigate the time that I had with him. And he led me beautifully with prayers and supplications. These are days to be with him and to seek him like you never have and to give him all of your attention. Um, I encourage you to cut out extra time just to be with him, to look at him, to gaze deeply into his face, to behold him, to wait with him and for him, to hear him, to pray with him, to enter into and share his burden, to allow him to give you language in this season of prayer. What does that mean? That means I'm just not trying to do my own thing, but I'm waiting with him and I'm waiting to hear what he would say. And when he says it, I'm gonna pray it and I'm gonna pray it with him, but I'm gonna pray it back to him. Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on the earth as it is in the heavens. And I'm gonna seek him like I've never sought after him. I'm gonna go looking for him. I'm gonna be with him and I'm gonna enjoy the time that I have with him because as I'm with him, I understand that it's carving off of and sifting all of the other influences and the things that have attempted to define what my response needs to look like in the urgency of the hour and the pain that I'm experiencing, but I'm no longer going to let those things process on the inside of me to the point where it animates me and it causes me to get engaged in things and entangled with things and intertwined with things. But when I'm with him, he frees me from all of the influence of those things so that I can be influenced by him as I behold him and then he begins to give me direction as to the things that I'm supposed to do and the interaction that I'm supposed to give myself to and it's all about him Daniel says when I knew 
that there was urgency in the days that I was living, I gave myself to him. Um, Friends, I encourage you, give yourself to him. How? Like you never have. To do what? Give him all your attention. In what way? To seek him. How? With prayer. With prayer and supplication and fasting. These are days to fast and pray. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app.